and it probably would be best to have more of this question and answer situation rather than make formal talk. Now, the, as you know, I'm part of the School of Research Science, which I founded in Australia. And I've been teaching spirituality ever since I was about 19. And that's uh, over 40 years now. My background is different than most people in that my mother was quite clairvoyant and she saw something in spades and so forth. I was born in Germany, so, um, and then we immigrated to Australia after the war, so I have European background. My father was Lithuanian. It's just a little bit about my biography. And uh, from a very early age, I, I learned and experienced things such as, for instance, when I was six years old and five years old, I drowned. I remember drowning. I remember the experience that happened after I died, and I remember being awoken. Um, it was a very wonderful experience, part of my life, was to know from that early age that there was no such thing as death. Uh, my mother, for instance, when I was about 16, 17, um, told me that um, in the, during the war that her brother had just died and he talked to her in her bed for about three hours and uh, then he disappeared. And she knew that he had died and she listened to him speaking and, uh, and then later on the whole family knew that um, he had died. Now, it's things like that that when I was young, with, with your mother telling you stories, that you just had to believe that that's the truth. And of course, with my own internal experience, I was very really religious internally, genuinely, and things like that. Now, by the time I was 17, I really worked out much of, of philosophical approach to life. For instance, I just needed to hear the word reincarnation once when I was about 17. And that once was sufficient for me to know that that was the purpose of life. That was what all of life was about. Reincarnation explained it all. By the time I was 17, I worked out that everything led to death. Therefore, death was the purpose of life. Therefore, all I needed to do to learn about life was death. I made a play to solve about to do everything I can do to learn about death. So, and then I knew, of course, that death was reincarnation. I didn't have to read it books, it was just simply worked it all out in my head that that was the way life proceeded. I had many experiences, for instance, once uh, at this particular time, I was uh, thinking about all these spiritual things that I was reading, and I was so engrossed, I was walking, I just started to walk across the road, and I heard a voice in my head say, Bodo, jump! Now, this voice is very loud and clear, and when I jumped, I jumped backwards. Not forwards, backwards. 
And at that moment, a car uh, would have killed me if I had a, um, not heard that voice and not made to go backwards. This, um, this was certainly types of experiences that uh, made my body go backwards and voluntary that I knew that, uh, you know, that there was inner guidance, beings that were guiding me, that there was more to life and more than anyone could understand. Now, when I was about 17 or so, 18, and because of my mother, she introduced me to the Theosophical Society and I started being absolutely in love with, with the books of the Theosophy. It was, you know, you know I started reading Vices and Vile, which is a big hidden book, and I was just reading it all the time. And at that particular time, when some kind of my teachers came to me, and um, in my solar arc, which is here, and it was so bright that it would be day and night, I would see him sitting there smiling with a golden aura. And at that particular stage, I knew that he was a friend of mine from Tibet, and by that time I really worked out that I had, you know, really had envisions of um, a life in Tibet, where later on I discovered I was doing cliché, and I was in the place called Shigatsi, the Tashiguro Monastery, and, uh, and I was enthroned as a Rinpoche, and I remember being carried on with Palakrim in golden robes on um, to my monastery where I was the abbot. And Tibetans for miles just waving and cheering as I was being carried. This sort of, um, these types of memories at a very early age. And, my um, Tibetan friend who was in my eye, but then my chakras were awakened and I could see auras, demons, um, get out of the bath and see this golden halo all around me, all the colours and things like that. So I was walking all the time, seeing and visualising and experiencing what people just read about when they're reading the books. For me, that was no, not a a uh, theoretical thing that was not book knowledge. The books helped. It was a direct experience. And the direct experience uh, because of who I was from past So it was for me quite easy to, to follow the spiritual path. And it was for me absolutely, I was obsessed with, with, um, with religion all my life. Except, of course, at that particular stage, I also, before um, my 17th year, most of my early teens, I was also very much involved in science. I wanted to be a scientist at that time, above all things, but my mother's experiences and then his other experiences of life after death. I think I died, I should have died many, many times. I don't want all of the times where I should have died, but it's uh, many, many times, and all the time experiencing things to do with the inner world. I grew up in a place called Perth, Western Australia, which is about as far away from anywhere in the world you can get to. Uh, to uh, 3,000 miles across the desert to the um, eastern states, Sydney, and the understand Australia's it's a huge place. It's like um, living in Paris and Moscow. The 
the distance between Turkey and Minga, so very, very far. And this was the, the 60s, the end of the 60s. And so the cultural revolution was happening in the whole world, you know, the peoples and uh, the movement. At this particular stage, I realized that I didn't want uh, money for me was the concept of actually earning money for me was the word is anathema. I was I, I read in the Bible the, the phrase consider consider the lilies of the field, how they reap the um they so much know that the toil in Solomon and all his glory was not as great as one of those. You know, why do you sort of want um, for clothing, food, and all these other things? Just um, seek you first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be given unto you. A year of little faith is the words of Jesus um, in Matthew. I've got the quotation of which you want to read. And for me, this was you know, absolutely the truth. I said to myself, I will follow this, this teaching of, um, of Jesus absolutely. You know, I will not worry about food, I will not worry about money, I will not worry about any of these things. Just simply follow the teachings of the search for God for enlightenment. And so for me then, I, when I was going to high school, there was no concept of, of going to high school apart from that one stage to become a scientist uh, to make money. As a matter of fact, I decided not to do my final exams, instead to go painting, to become an artist. Because I saw a film on the life of Vincent van Gogh, where he virtually starved to death painting. Uh, and uh, he only ever made one commission in his life, and then he bought a gun and shot himself. And most of you know the life story of Vincent van Gogh, and I said, that is the life I want to live. That is the, the life that I, the type of life I want. And as an artist. And so I lived like that. I lived without money, without um, caring about where the next um, food came from or where I. And uh, any of that sort of stuff for, for many years during this period. Of course, in the 60s and early 70s, it was much easier than it is now. Now you've got this terrible police state in the and horrible laws, you know, much unemployment, whereas in those days it was much easier to live, much more money coming in every which way. In those days, I needed something like 20 cents a day to live, that was the maximum. Uh, you can imagine 20 cents a day. And uh, that I normally found on the streets. I found more money on the streets. I never begged. It just simply, I found on the streets or I sold a painting or drawing from Ephesus. Or I, uh, and uh, I normally lived either in a tent or hitchhiking or in the squat, places like that. It just simply was, wherever I went, there was always a place for me to live and there was always food somewhere and always money. And $10 would last me two weeks because quite a, a large amount. So, at a certain stage of my life, I left Perth and went to Sydney. I was 19 and I got to Sydney, and by that time, I was already a spiritual preacher. 
I knew that God, yes, would find life after death, incarnation, and mercy, everything that most people are now um, still trying to find out about. So I was a, a, a guru of my generation. I won't go into all of my, my life um, story, but just to point out that the experiences that I had and the way that I lived was according to the true principles of the Bible and also in Buddhism. It was not um, anything, it was only one thing in my life, and that was religion, and that was to teach and to help people. And many people didn't understand how I lived, where money came from, why I didn't need those things, and the, the wisdom that I had the knowledge, and especially those that are on drugs, because I could see what they were doing and help them out in the world. Now, this world of, of psychic phenomena is what most people don't understand, and for me it was natural, second hand, the direct experience. Sometimes being the were committed suicide, that were in the realm, that came, they needed help. And I could call beings to bring them to the higher plane. So these types of experiences wasn't just talking to human beings, it was also dealing with all sorts of so suicide as I mentioned, um, earthbound spirits. So there was a lot of um, this type of experience. And of course then I started writing my books and painting my pictures. Some of my pictures you can see on the internet now on our website from the, that period of time. There was a certain stage about 1975 I had stopped painting because and I had all my paintings were stolen on the earth in recent states. When I came back three months later and it was gone and then two years of the artwork disappeared and I said, oh well, that's the sign I need to write books and spend my time writing. Now, it's a, a long, long history as you probably can gather, but what I'm trying to give you the background to is the fact that it's reading a lot of books, so I've devoured all the philosophical books, I've devoured all the books of the Steiner um, movement, I've devoured all the spiritual books at the time, I've devoured science, whatever there was uh, available, it was all um, absorbed into my head because I was either reading or painting and it's always happy. So this accumulation of knowledge, accumulation of wisdom then came out into the books and to the people that I was talking to. Now, it's a long, long sort of process. I, I had a group 20, 30 years ago and I followed it and then I started this new group later which is this kind of serious tech science that we now have. Uh, I spent over 10 years in India living with the Tibetan people, mainly up north, I've been to Dalai Lama, for instance, there. I lived in, where we lived in Dharamsala, but uh, mostly I was a Buddhist monk in a Lima tradition and uh, living in a place called where uh, Sikkim, the northern part of India, uh, 
and uh, Bangkok was the city that I normally spent time and then Kelantan. Some of you don't know where that center is coming out with this. It's um, where at the very north of India where is Bhutan, Sikkim, and Nepal all meeting in one place and all the Tibetans, the, the indigenous Tibetans, they've been there hundreds of years. Literally, the Buddhism there was known as a quite a long I had a family also there, so we integrated with the Buddhist religion. And at this particular stage, they also established a, um, our group in Australia, which was growing, and at the same time, we had our ashram in India, so we had two, two communities. Now, the way of teaching that we developed is it's based on the, the Alice Bailey writings, the Blavatsky, the Bailey teachings, plus integrated with Buddhism and world religion and science. Science is quite important. I did get a um, chemistry degree the, the University of Western Sydney because I wanted, and wanted that background to be able to look at physics, cosmology, uh, chemistry, to, to know all of those laws and to integrate them into the religion so that everything that I teach has got a proper scientific understanding and it's properly worked out philosophically. The person that I that awakened my eye, that I recognised as an old friend of mine when I was young, 1917, 18. Now, it took me some years, and I realised that that was actually the master to our and DK for short in the other study, which is the one who wrote through other studies and worked with the books, and also with that. Now, he was my friend that... And he was also a Rinpoche, we were both brother Rinpoches. And so, so for me, he and I, we, we know each other very well. And that whole experience of the beings that came to bed and what happened, and many of my students were also students that were ours in Tibet at that time. And of course, I've, um, since then, seen many, many past lives going way back even before this earth was, what in the Bible is called before the foundation of this earth. And, you know, I've traced, for instance, over 20 lives since the time of Jesus. There are many Tibetan lives, many lives in Buddhism, but many lives in the West. I've had two lives in France, for instance, both of the women, and, uh, and so there's this whole continuous stream of being incarnate, for instance, in Buddhism, where one can read up my lives in the Buddhist texts. And then incarnate in the West, and most of my life can also be read about in history. Not all of them, but quite a lot, because of who I am. So it's this. Uh, internal awareness plus the external studies plus 
of course, a lot of experience in teaching students over many, many years. Now, for many students involved in Blavatsky, Bailey, and, and others, they think of the masters as, as well, there's the book and talks about the masters and something to aspire towards. But to me and to my students, they're not something to aspire towards. They are friends. They are brothers and sisters. And the teachings of IPA is to introduce my students to the masters. And then it's the masters of wisdom and me together and educate. They educate in meditation. And I, of course, teach the meditation in turn and help to explain the nature of enlightenment. The, all of the teaching instructions are the same old rules of the road that have been applied for the training of students for countless millennia. Whether it's Buddhist or whether it's in the Orphic or Dalphic Chinese or whatever Hinduism it's the same rules of the road that makes them like beings. And the same beings that we connect them, that teach the, the great ones, the great Buddhist masters, are the ones that teach you or teach my students. And so together we teach. Now this is quite serious. Serious education, it's not just simply book learning and it's not devotional, emotional, sort of aspirational teachings. But the, the students actually awakening the chakras, developing the heart, doing service work in meditation, and of course trying to help educate the world through helping the publication of the books and the other things that we do. My group, incidentally, is quite small. For all of my 40 or 50 years, let's make it 40 years of educating people and doing nothing but this. Uh, and many hundreds of people have come and gone. Um, only very few have stayed out their curriculum of the masses. Only very few are willing to devote their whole lives to the game of enlightenment. Many have come with great egos, with um, lots of knowledge gained from the West or from Buddhism and thinking that that's, that's it. With very little insight. And these people with ego, they don't stay very long in my group. Uh, we teach humbleness and teach group evolution. And a lot of men find it difficult to see that the women are actually older than spiritually, much older, generally. It's that our women have this capacity to, to be sacrificial and self-serving and men are often quite pompous. And I'm sure some of you have understood this. That women have a natural spirituality that yeah, there's something to do. But on the whole, it doesn't work that way in practicality. Therefore, all of, nearly all of the, the beings, those that have stayed to follow the teachings of hierarchy are women. The training is, is that of initiation. As given in the Alice books, 
initiation in children. Solar, um, the raising initiations, these types of books. So it's, it's how to um, conquer what we call samskaras. Samskaras are tendencies that have been developed in past lives. And tendencies, for instance, to anger, tendencies to, uh, some people have tendencies to hatred and a very, very inability to control their emotions and things like that. can also be tendencies towards meditation and peace and love and joy and beauty and those types of qualities. But the samskaras are, are quite difficult. They have been tendencies. So in some lives, people, for instance, that have been involved in, for instance, in the military and are being soldiers for life after life, they find it very difficult to be overly loving. They have very, very strong, forceful energies that come through them and they have control. So, and also, the part of initiation involves such things as um, owning up to the fact that sicknesses and diseases are because of things that you've done wrong in the past life, that you have to fix things up, that you actually have to work upon them. There's no miracle cures. It's simply, that's what you did, that's the karma that you must pay, and this is what you must do to fix that. And so you can take the next step onwards in enlightenment, to become more and more wiser. So this particular path is one of, of enlightenment. It's one that is aimed at, at producing and making each individual a initiated member of the hierarchy of life, of the those guides that have been guiding humanity since time immemorial. And then you find that it's all based on the conception of chakras, the way chakras, the psychic centers within the body evolve. There's external psychic centers, there's internal psychic centers, there's planetary centers. Shambhala, for instance, which is some whole series of some part of finding the way to Shambhala, is uh, the head center, the planetary head center, and exists on a very exalted plane. And within the kingdom of Shambhala, there are great beings that are in my books, I reveal that, and also in others early they all build them. The introduction is given in, in the writings of Kudatsky, who was sent out by the hierarchy back in the days of the KMI, the winter shows in Tibet. You find also that none of us have ever been alone. It's a continuation of lifetimes of aspiring towards enlightenment, towards liberation, towards becoming a Buddha. Those of you that are sitting here now, you are here talking to me, maybe in one of my former lives. We are evolving together. We have this karma, and the karma awakens the love for each other from the past lives. Later on, a group such as the one I have in Australia, they can see that there are, you know, brothers, sons, husbands, wives, enemies, friends, from life after life, evolving together, and now they just want to share and cooperate as part of a group evolving together. 
they give to each other as a group. They don't think of themselves so much as individuals. So individuals within a group that's evolving, evolving together and they evolve the cosmos to leave this earth. So the whole journey from where they've come in past lives into where they're going to in the future is all mapped out and revealed to them. Within the context of the type of philosophy that I'm planning to give over the next 26 weeks, and the teachings or the, the brochure gives those uh, the lecture series quite clearly. Now, this particular lecture series is not just planned to give to you here in Brussels, but it's also part of what I plan to be put into the web as an internet university. I'm interested quite well to, to establish a university on the internet where people can come and learn and gain spiritual teachings via Skype and via interchanging with those that have been with me for many years and have learned these teachings. And uh, it's the way I think we need to go because of the modern mass communication is allowed. And they need to be in Australia or just talking to a small group. I can be here and talk to a group in Australia. And in a place like Europe, which is quite a large area with many different countries, there are missions, there are enlightened beings that have been connected to bodies such as yours all over Europe. And it's a matter to find them and to integrate them. And so this is a mechanism that I am using to do so. And of course, for instance, uh, so once a week we get together and we have our group meeting, we open teachings, and sometimes um, other members of the group give teachings via Skype, and it continues like this. Now, not everyone's at the same spiritual age, not everyone has the same capacity to become enlightened beings. Some in past lives have um, been libushes or have uh, studied at, at the feet of great masters. Others are just beginning. Others have um, gone right at, um, at monasteries in the West. You've sat at maybe foot at Socrates or Plato all that, that far I mean, some of you have gone all the way from Atlantis even before Atlantis and learned from them on. So there's this vast sweep of history and beings that are at all different stages of, of spiritual development that we have to cater for. My students quite well know their past lives, those of my advanced students, where they come from and where they're coming to, their spiritual age, their right condition, their ashram that they belong to. Now all of you here, as the Zulianne, have um, a superior background, now I know that, that, uh, that that's uh, not my background, but we can integrate 
his teachings and we can continue. The difficulty for you will be a little bit of the problem with language. In Australia, it's easy to speak English and uh, I can use just a couple of words with most of them and they can understand. Whereas here, I have to be a little bit more careful and if I use a sophisticated word, then I have to translate it. But we've got a smaller group, and I'm happy with a smaller group anyway because it makes it easier to answer questions and to tailor the teachings to individuals. And the teachings have to be tailored to individuals. It has to be tailored to what I call group evolution. The... The course is actually structured by the, the uh, sixth week. There's a talk called Meditation and Enlightenment, which is meditation. So on the sixth week, I would give the meditation teachings, and then we would establish a meditation group where the higher teachings can be given, where you can learn how to contact with the masters of wisdom, where you can learn the development of the inner perceptions so that you can work, talk with demons, the great Pleiadians, the great archangels, so you know how to translate it that way at this stage, these demons from Atlantean way. The Atlantis itself was a matriarch. Um, it was a, a feminine hierarchy. And when it sank, many of them left them into a star system called the Pleiades. Now I know with um, Siberia, he goes into, he does use the cosmic energies from different stars and integrate them in, on our planet. And it's a lot of teaching to do with the energies that come from the various star systems series. And likewise with, with our philosophy. So um, we, we talk about where one goes to on the inner realms and the energies that come, beings that come in this particular case, so with what I call the Pleiadians, a great enlightened stately women that are older than the Buddha in spiritual stature that come to teach. And you get impressions from them. And then the most exquisite beings, the most absolutely graceful and beautiful and serene and absolute moments in the nature. So you can be led to their domain in meditation. You can learn from them. Those that have the links with the Buddha can learn from him. So the, the advanced teaching is to teach you group meditation and group evolution. To contact with the, the masters of wisdom and to work with them in accordance with their plan. It's not that easy, their plan. Also, in these teachings, you'll learn what I call the dark body, the forces of the You'll learn that such beings exist, that they've always been the nemesis. The nemesis means um, that which opposes evolution, opposes humanity, opposes the white brotherhood. And all of history can be traced into the, the, the battle between the forces of evil, the dark brotherhood, the sources, the witches, etc., and those that are looking for the good of, of humanity. And 
the forces of evil, they work with selfishness and self-centeredness, separativeness, uh, people's emotions to do with what they want, uh, their strong desires, they feel all of these things. They work through our present politicians to give us all the wars that we don't need and much of the evil upon this planet. So you'll find that just as we that are on the white path can receive impressions from enlightened beings and from our own soul. And in these teachings, what is your soul uh, will also be explained what it is and how it is. In my books, I explain this in, in great detail. So the impressions that come from your soul, the impressions that come from, from enlightened beings, the telepathic instructions, uh, your intuition that, that you just know you must do this because it's the right thing to do, where that comes from. But at the same time, you can be receiving thought forms from dark brotherhood, from the forces of evil, and they also will try to influence you to go their way. And for them, that is the easiest thing to do for most of humanity, because most of humanity are selfish. And to feed selfishness is easy. So to be unselfish, loving, uh, generous, and to work for the good of humanity, that is much harder. Can I ask something? Yes. Um, she says everyone has got to go through that period of self-centeredness. It's an essential part of all evolution. But in the early stages, yes, all of humanity have gone that way. They went to the Lumerian stage, and then they went to the Atlantean stage, and then they go to the Aryan stage. But the self-centeredness is the past for the cycles. The cycles of evolving out of that, uh, evolving out of selfishness and, and self-focused interest to um, learn group love, group evolution, the way of the higher vision, the way of the heart. So they move out of the lower sacral, the lower centres, the solar places in the sacral centre, and they go to the higher centres, the heart centre, the throat, and the asthma centre. And then the laws, the forces the, that involve the awakening of these centers are much more difficult to, to achieve. It's much more easy to stimulate the lower centers of selfishness and substance So that's the very beginning. It's like the childhood of um, when most old children go through the selfish phase. But by the time they get to adults, certainly by even young adults, you expect them to have learnt something and to not be so selfish to actually um, help their brothers and sisters and so forth. And so this childish phase must, must um, be left behind. So this path is, is one of, of meditation, service work, and learning how to help others. It's not so easy, but at the same time, it's also very joyous. Does anyone have any other question at this stage? I'm sorry, but I don't understand a lot. <laughs> and, uh, it's not my English is not uh, sufficient to 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 understand everything you see. <laughs> Just uh, it's very complicated. <laughs> 
Yes, I understand that the same as somebody was speaking to me in French. I was told by the Masters of Wisdom to go to Paris. And this is when I was living in India. Uh, I came to Paris with some of my students. And I said to myself, what, Paris? It costs five times more to live uh, in Paris than it does in India. Um, so, you know, where's all this resource going to come from and so forth? But nevertheless, I was told to go to Paris. So I can't argue with, with the masters. So I went to Paris and uh, nothing with hierarchy happens without a good reason. It's all for the best, the way that it has happened. I, I wonder when you, you spoke about enlightenment um, for Severio, if, if you evolute, then you don't have to reincarnate. What is the link between this and enlightenment? Do, do you, after enlightenment, you don't have to come back? Or? Well, yes, there is, there are the stages of evolution, uh, what we call the, the stages of initiation. And you, you go through the path. It's only when you become a master of wisdom and then after being a master of wisdom and you've then fulfilled your role on this earth, there's no more place here, then you've got a chance to leave this planet and you can travel on one of the cosmic paths that leads you to other, other places of learning in the stars, in the star system. So... The Buddha, for instance, is one such as that. So there are certain beings that are preparing to lead. But it's not so easy to gain that high enlightened state. You actually have to become um, perfected. As St. Paul says, in the um, become the, therefore, a perfected man under, under the um, measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And only when you manifest the quality of Jesus that he did when he died on the cross, have you got that ability to live this planet. So it's the only way, or there are other ways to... It is the only way. It's for you. You'll find there's only one law. There's only one hierarchy. There's not two. Not three. There's two hierarchies. There's a black hierarchy, the evil one, and there's the white hierarchy. And all beings on this planet whether they are Christ, whether they are the Buddha, whether they are sort of Ganapopa or Padmasambhava or, or um, the uh, Plato or any of the others, you know, St. Francis of Assisi, whoever they are, they're all members of hierarchy. And there's only one plan, and that is for all of humanity, all of hierarchy, to educate humanity in all of the kingdoms of nature. To lead to liberation, we travel together. The way of the heart is group evolution. It's not individual. There's no, the only way, that, if you want to travel the individual way, you travel the dark radical You go the way of the forces of evil. If you travel the hierarchical way, then you travel according to our plan. And our plan involves the total evolution of humanity to lead them on also the cosmos. And therefore, everyone serves. And in the Buddhist books that I have, um, this is the Bodhisattva vow, to never cease striving until all sentient beings, sentient beings means any being that's alive, 
have achieved liberation. And then, and only then, will you also take it. How many people are there in that state today on the earth? Because there are more and more people, so nobody is evaluating or... Everyone, everything is evolving. It's much more complicated than you are, but there's a limited number of human souls in the Bible books, in the uh, Treatise on Cosmic Fire, um, he points out there's 16 billion human units, monads as it's called, um, that are evolving in our solar system. But there's more planetary evolutions than just the Earth that have appeared. Uh, and uh, one of my books is on this particular subject. So it's uh, uh, Mars, for instance, has had life, and I can quite clearly remember Mars. And the moon itself is the mother of the earth. It once had a life. You said previously Mars? Hmm? Mars? Mars. Mars? Okay, okay. Yeah, Mars. I can lead you to a website which can, which you can look at and you see that there's life on Mars now. They've discovered, you know, the, the photograph, there's lots of evidence of, of civilization on Mars. But um, a million, two million years ago, or some millions of years ago, it was much warmer and had human life on it. Not all life. Every planet, every star and the solar system and in the galaxy has life. We looking not just at these fleshy bodies, but the the life that there is when you when you leave your body. Right? The astral plane, the mental plane and all the other levels of perception, the planes of perception. So wherever there is a, a globe, such as the earth, or Mars or Venus, there is life. It's not necessarily just human life as we understand. Uh, but when you go further back in time, there was a time when that planet, some of those planets, actually could support a human evolution such as we have now. Some of them just short and then it went. The moon is our mother, the moon at one stage had humanity living on it. It exploded, it, um, it terminated abruptly because of, it was a failure. It did not evolve past the certain stage. I won't go into this type of history. But the history is, is quite vast. It's um, recorded or given in the secret doctrine in both these books and in my writings. And later on, some of you will, um, if you go into the meditation world, enlightenment, you'll see how far you've evolved, where you've come from. So it's, um, you know, if you go back further than Atlantis, you go back further than the Merriam, you see on this planet, there are two human streams. One is uh, a humanity that evolved from the animal kingdom, what we call individualization, that's a big word, but it means the soul was formed from the animal kingdom on this earth. And then there's a, another human 
tree that came from the other star, from the other planets, some of them from the other stars, and from the moon. And they're much older spiritually. They're remnants of that remainers. And they're the ones that are busy loving humanity, trying to help humanity, not selfish, uh, busy doing you know, the, the high philosophers, the great yogis. Whereas the average humanity are selfish, self-centered, they think only in terms of, you know, the understanding of love and the way to properly love for them is very hard. They're easily sort of manipulated by um, the media, by government. They follow, you know, almost like a nurse. They get caught up in, in the materialism of this world. That's the humanity of this earth, and they're much younger. So there's these two human emotions together. together. Yeah. And so this is part of the, 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 the problem of this planet. So there's a very, very highly evolved uh, humanity that came from other uh, planets. And then there's a much less evolved humanity. There were animals when the more highly evolved humanity were humans, so you understand. And so every every planetary evolution, there's, um, there's some that pass what we call past the grave, three-fifths normally pass, and then two-fifths get recycled. Eventually, they all bring their liberation. Even the dark brotherhood, the sorcerers, the most evil on this planet, will eventually become enlightened beings. It may take another solar system or two, but it will do so, but it will happen. It's the way of evolution. And the hierarchy is the the guides that guide all of humanity and all the other kingdoms of nature towards enlightenment, towards liberation from this planet, so that there's no more need to reconnect. There's um, a long process associated with this, of course, and there's, I won't go into it now, but my books go into the new age and what, what will happen and the way that um, beings will live this planet. It's, it's, it's quite worked out. Now, with, when I use hierarchy, I'm looking at um, what we call the brotherhood of divas and men, or the angelic kingdom, and the human kingdom evolving together and working together. I find it very difficult to not think of divas um, and Ilian does the same. Uh, the the angelic kingdom, the fairies, and the the, the great the great archangels, and so forth. They are also part of the kingdom of God, and they are also working within humanity for this evolution, for eventual liberation. The human kingdom, whether we male or female, is called human. We are a kingdom of souls. They are masculine in orientation, where the deal kingdom are feminine. They are mother nature. They give birth to everything that is. No wonder, no wonder the law of cause and effect is so difficult to understand if so many things are intertwined. Yes, yes, many things are intertwined. But the law of karma, which 
those of you who will be here next week, is the law of love. It is the law of, of um, planetary love. So karma equilibrizes, and equilibrizes to harmonize all the positives and negatives of the past lives to make it equal um, so that the good comes out of it all. Enlightenment. The love is to make every being become enlightened. And that's what karma does. It's um, basically simple. It's the people's emotions and emotional thinking and the way that people use their emotions that makes everything difficult. The teachings are the teachings of the way of mind. What the mind is, uh, how the mind controls everything and where the mind leads you to. Now, with um, the assignments with Siberia and with my teachings and with Buddhism, there's the concrete mind, the normal mind that people think with, uh, and there's the abstract mind, or the, what um, she uses the term mental superior. Uh, so this abstract mind is what we develop and what I teach is the way of developing the superior mind to gain enlightenment. The concrete mind is uh, limiting. It helps you function in this material world but it is not going to get you anywhere. You, draw, you have to learn to draw what I call in the Bailey books the antichrines, the links between your concrete thinking and the abstract thinking. And within the domain of the abstract mind resides the soul itself. And it is the domain where you gain enlightenment. So this way of abstract thinking is the, the path that we lead and that we lead you to in meditation. Where the concrete way with the intellect itself is the way of reading books. In Buddhism they call it eye knowledge. Eye knowledge is you read with the eye and you gain the knowledge this way. With the, um, the way of the abstract mind, of the superior mind, it's the heart knowledge. It is to awaken wisdom. And the book of Ecclesiastes in the Bible says wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And this is what it's really all about. We teach you how to become wise, not just to have knowledge of you, but to be wise in the way you apply yourself in all things, in every way. But if you, if you believe you have experience, you can also understand things and I, I think get some wisdom. It's not only by meditation that you get wisdom from me. Experience is the basis of everything. Without experience you can know nothing. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can learn from books, but experience is the basis of everything. But in meditation, what we, what we expect you to have done is to have a vast amount of experience of things. But in meditation, you're learning a new type of experience. You're learning the experience of the inner realms. You're learning the experience of the way that the masters of wisdom work. You're learning to learn the experience of what the dealers 
the angelic kingdom can teach you. You begin to link with your soul, and you have the store knowledge, the storehouse of all the knowledge of your past lives to understand how that works through you. That for the physical plane experience, what you do with, with in our lives is that we recapitulate. We go over what we've learned from many, many lives. All of us know, you know how to make children, we know how to um, you know, live the basic lifestyle. But what we don't know is the path that leads to the awakening of the heart, the path that leads to integrate, integrate or fusing or becoming one with your soul, that which is the, the cause of all of those lives. And this is the higher path that the meditation will lead you to. Without meditation, you cannot get there. You cannot become right. You cannot go past a certain step to do with your concrete mind. It's only meditation that awakens your superior mind properly. Meditation is mainly for Buddhism, but you have pray for Catholic, and it's, it's not the same. It's only meditation, so the whole humanity is wrong, except Buddhism. No, no, <laughs> no. The, the prayer, the prayer aspiration is part of that. But with with the Catholic, for instance, or with with Christianity, they they also have their contemplation. What do you think the monks did? in their, their selves. They didn't just pray to God, you know, this, um, you know, the Thomas Campus and the, many of the great... Um, the so sense. there are several ways to, to, to do the meditation, yes. Contemplation, that is right. With the Buddhists and the Hindus, the difference is that they have a scientific application of this contemplation. They understand the science of it all. They understand the inner workings of the of the physical body, of the nervous system, of the body of energies, which is what you're taught with um, the science of the energy body and the way the mind and the energy body interplay. That's what the Buddhists and the Hindus knew and have known for thousands of years. And this is what the Western world does not know, and what we have to teach and what the Buddhists have come to teach. The energy body and the way the mind and the energy body work together. So this particular path to enlightenment is the path that is this revelation, you understand the word revelation, to reveal what the energy body is and the way that the mind works with it. So eventually, you can obtain within your consciousness the store of knowledge of your past lives and to see the future where you are going. But to do that, you die to your personality, mind, because you have to understand that the soul what you truly are, is impersonal. One life you may be female, another life you may be a male, one life you may be India, next life you may be Jewish. 
So you, you understand that all of this is a, a completely different way of thinking and of understanding what a human being is. A human being is not this body. This is an illusion. It's just energy. You know, energy fields. It, it dies. You know, all of us, we can remember when we are children and how we're growing older. We, you know, we, we probably enjoyed ourselves very much when we are younger. And uh, now we are saying, what is the use to life? Are you beginning to think, okay, there's death that's coming on in uh, five years, ten years, twenty years. You don't know, but it's not that far away. And the body is changing. It's just the illusion. It's not the real. The real is the energy body. And the soul that is incarnated within it. And so to understand that is what the meditation teaches you. Is to understand what it is it you truly are. And how it is what you truly are is evolving on its own level. And where it is going to. And to become one with that. And when you do that, you find that there's no such thing as as an individual soul. The soul is a group, group focus. Before a soul can bring an inclination of a child into the planet, it has to see far into the future, has to understand, and if you understand the law of karma, that that is the real, it has to work out the karma of that child from as soon as it comes out of the womb to the day it dies. Everything, every aspect of that child must be worked out before that child comes into incarnation. The parents have to be chosen. Which parent? What civilization? Is it in Africa or is it in Europe? Is it in America or is it in Asia? And what situation? Is it going to be born in a very, very wealthy family? Or in tremendous poverty. Everything has to be pre-worked out before a child comes into incarnation. And the soul has to be meditating with all other souls to produce one child. They have to be working out a combined plan for a civilization before anyone can incarnate. And in hierarchy itself, the masters of wisdom, they are, they direct the souls. And above the masters of wisdom are the lords of Shambhala, the kingdom of God, as it's so put in the Bible. They are the teachers of Shambhala, of hierarchy. So there's levels of outside teachers. So the, the way of Shambhala and the gaining of enlightenment, the divisioning of Shambhala, that's not that easy. You do that through, first of all, merging with your soul, having the consciousness of the soul, and you can see that that is enlightenment. To be able to have the mind that can see when that child is to be born, in relationship to all the other children to be born and what they can do evolve far into the future. The hierarchy of life, they live in the future. They, they, they plan the future. 
and to make happen in the now. And as I said, there is a battle between them and the dark forces that are trying to prevent evolution from happening. And there are beings, great beings that incarnate all the way through time. And you know, Socrates, Plato, and um, all the great philosophers, St. Francis, you know, Voltaire, Descartes, they incarnate to push humanity forwards. They great souls. You know, Mahatma Gandhi, every, every country has their, their, these great beings. They, they've got this vision and they're part of the plan of hierarchy. The, the term in English is emissary. Emissary is this, um, um, we explain in this area it's like an messengers yeah messengers messengers of hierarchy now you can experience superior who is such a messenger he formulated his plan he worked out the philosophy and from a very early age he he was inspired in, you know, but we can also call the term avatar to use a, uh, a, a Hindu term a Sanskrit term a descent of God uh, and it's inspired. The whole life is just to do this. Uh, it doesn't matter. That nothing stops that being from achieving that goal. And these are these are members of hierarchy. And they can be great musicians. They can be scientists. Many of them don't know that they're members of hierarchy. You know, they can be, for instance, Albert Einstein, and uh, doing this work of improving human thinking, improving human values, pushing humanity on. And they're the great souls, the members of hierarchy. So it's beginning to work with them consciously, to look up with them, that this, these teachings are all about. How to do this and where this leads. And it's not that easy. The members of hierarchy, for instance, I give Kudun, it's the, the, the master chooses the disciple. The master knows who their students are, who they have been educating for generations of lives. And they then give those students at the right time the teachings they need when they're ready for it, when they have awaken sufficient of their heart and they're ready to work in group formation because they have the love to, to achieve, the love to want to help humanity above all things in their lives. But more important than anything else for them is to help humanity. That is what hierarchy is and that's what we look for. What is the aim of the, all that movement to, to evolution? Because we, we go on Earth, we, we don't see anything, or some people see, or maybe they, they are in advance, or they have a mission, or, but we, I don't see anything, so what, why do I have to follow this, and what is the, the, the if you do not, If this? you do not follow this path, you'll be born again and again and again, suffering the karma of whatever you've done in an informal life over and over and over again 
Pain, suffering, birth, death, pain, suffering, misery, happiness, you know, joy, pain, suffering, all the time. Not getting anywhere. If you follow the way of love, then you evolve with the hierarchy up and out of this world of suffering. This is the teaching of Buddhism. All life is transient, right? Everything is impermanent. You attach yourself to that which is impermanent, then you suffer. When you learn to be non-attached, then you learn the way of achieving non-suffering. And the method of non-attachment is this noble eightfold path. Right thought, right contemplation, right inspiration, right meditation, these, these types of qualities. Yeah, I think everybody would like to be happy and, and I think we do a lot of things to, to try to, to go to that way and to, to prevent the suffering. That is, that, is, that is a good step, but later on you have to do that in a more, I use the term, English term, concerted, in a more scientific way. And you work with those that understand the laws of life through and through, like Jesus did. You follow Jesus. The first thing that Jesus did was find his twelve apostles. Sorry? Scientists and twelve apostles. Ah, apostles. The first thing he did. The first thing Jesus Buddha did was first of all he found his the five ascetics that he worked with. And then he grew his his group around him. There are a number of individuals that were his former students, ahats, they're called in, in Buddhism. It's the same. The mandala is formed. They evolve together. Right? And so you cannot do this alone. You do this by finding your inner group, the group that you have evolved and worked with for many, many lifetimes. And together you evolve the mechanism to overcome suffering to overcome unhappiness. But you understand the laws of what all this is about. And it's not just uh, what you think. There's specific laws, specific methods that the hierarchy of life, that Jesus taught, that the Buddha taught. And the methods are the same. That lead you out of this reincarnation trap. What we in Buddhism call wheel of samsara. The term samsara, the Sanskrit term, means wheel. And you, you, every life you're on this wheel is like a, if you've seen a, a mouse on a wheel and a, and a little thing, they're running around, sort of turning this around and around. This is what human beings do. This is samsara. You're attached to this, and they have their six rounds of birth into the hell states, into the purgatory states, into the heaven states, into the God states, into human states, animal states, all the time going around and around. And so they say there's a way off this. And the way off this is the yoga meditation way. So this is the mechanism. And the mechanism that's been since time immemorial. And the stages of meditation have always been with us. So it's to learn the way of the English's human perfectment, the perfection of the human unit, the perfection of the mind. You become perfect. 
as, as I said, St. Paul used them, become imperfect to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, he says, you must be as perfect as Jesus was. Nothing less. And of course, Christians are not very good at understanding their own Bible. But that's what Paul said. And so the path, and Jesus also taught this, this path, uh, the path is observation, direct experience, and as you become more and more wise, more and more understanding of samsara, you learn to analyse your mind, your emotions, yourself better. Why you do things. And you see this in context with regards to the other people around you who are suffering, doing all these stupid things that you say, oh, they're doing this. How can I help them? Sometimes you can't, sometimes you can. Why are you always talking about suffering only? Hmm? Why is it you're only talking about suffering? Well, this, this is... For me, for me, that sounds so narrow-minded as if I'm sorry, as if the, the world, as if the earth, it's just suffering. Well, the problem is that when you suffer something, then you work to relieve yourself from suffering. It's like being sick. When you figure out how to make yourself better, um, now the mechanism of fixing up the sickness relieves you from the suffering. Then you produce happiness, joy, pleasure. But the mechanism is what I'm talking about. Meditation, the awakening of the way of the heart, group evolution. And this is the, the medicine. And that eventually leads you off the wheel of birth and death. This, um, I, I don't know what you Actually, I know very little. But the principles you are telling us right now is the things, is exactly what you listen all the time when you go to a conference with a lama or, or whoever who's, who's studying. And it is exactly the same, uh, always the same. Uh, I, when, when we met, she said to us that um, the... the um, Professor Severio had um, had a sort of um, faster approach to enlightenment, if you want to call it like that. Uh, it was than Buddhism, because apparently Buddhism is very slow for for a human being to to incorporate into into to his understanding. Because it's sort of practice meditation and it's very slow the way it's, it incorporates to the inner self. Whereas uh, Siberia uh, theories or uh, studies um, are more scientific, uh, are logical to understand if you want, and the, uh, the evolution does not come by meditation at all. It comes by learning and learning and learning and learning uh, concrete and specific things. Um, 
Um, eventually the learning must lead you to meditation. This, this is the only way to liberation and is the fastest way. The learning is meditation. It's just simply that first you learn about this physical world and then in meditation you learn about all the other levels of perception, all the other planes, such as the kingdom of souls. The, you cannot obtain this just simply through physical plane experience with these five senses. You must awaken the inner sense. You must awaken the Ajna sense. You must awaken the heart. You must awaken the inner, the inner chakras, the inner um, senses. Like I can't sort of come. So you develop clairvoyance. You clearly develop what we call clairaudience. And then you develop the higher in the sense of the cities, the higher powers. And to do this, you do it through meditation. You cannot do it any other way. You learn level after level after level after level of learning. And one thing, somebody such as me, for instance, of all these books I've written, no matter how much you know, no matter how much you've experienced, on all of the planes that you can go to, there's always more to learn. It doesn't stop. It's, uh, this, you know, this cosmos is vast. It's multidimensional. You understand the word dimensional? Mm-hmm. And level after level after level after level. And you learn that you get into the minds of greater and greater and greater and greater beings faster and more transcendent. This is what meditation leads you to. You go away from these physical bodies and you enter into your spiritual body, your spiritual mind, your superior mind. And then eventually you'll even leave that behind. So we, we have a body here, but we have to learn something that we don't see, that's just imagine that we were on earth to experience some things with our body like this, with what we see normally. Yeah, but this is what... To experience something that we don't see. It's yeah, something for after. But no, no, no. You can experience it while in your body. As I said, when I was six, I experienced the after-death state. While I was in the body, I was drowning, I was dying, I went, you know... Three times I went up and down and uh, it was gone. And I found myself on the beach. My early experience was in the body. You know, when I had my teacher uh, sitting in my eye here day and night, it was as bright and you know, like you sitting in front of me. I couldn't close my eyes. It didn't matter whether my eyes were closed or open. I saw him. It's like Paul in the Bible. Yeah, I can imagine that. This you can develop. These experiences you can experience. Do we have to do it on Earth? Because we are on Earth. I I just imagine that we we, we need to have that experience. Love. You don't. You don't have to do it, but then you will not progress much further than what your body can teach you. But if you want to get closer to God, God realization, you have to transcend the body and go into the higher planes, the higher dimensions. 
Well, love and compassion is the mechanism, but we still have to transcend the body. Yes, I, I understand that, but isn't it sufficient to have the experience that we can live on earth like that? And think about it and try to understand the mechanism like the death and things like that? Um, you can think about these things, but the meditation experience gives you the experience of death. It gives you the experience of what happens after death. Yes, that's clear that in this life I can't have that experience without being dead. So but you can experience that yeah. in meditation. You can see people that die, you can talk to them. Yeah. They can direct them, they can talk to you. If you have loved ones that die, they can come to you. You know, instead of um, being at a funeral and, and just crying or whatever it is, you can talk to the person that died. This is the but, difference. But it's okay. Uh, I think that people, it's, we are not the only the physical body, I'm sure of that, I'm completely convinced. I'm sure that there, there are some people that are dead that you can speak with them, but do we have to experience it? And I'm completely convinced that, that it's like that. But it's up to you. It's up to you. If that's if you want, it's up to you what you want to gain in life. If you want, um, if you're content with the life that you have, with what you're experiencing with the love that you have or you know, the level that you experience it, then it's fine. If you are seeking more, if you are seeking what the Christians call God, then you've got to use, I'll use the term exemplary, this is a big word, uh, methods. You've got to use uh, methods that actually will produce that experience. And these methods have been worked out over thousands of years, over millions of years. They've been worked out by enlightened beings. The enlightened beings have discovered the, the way to liberation. They've come back and they've taught you. And they've taught humanity. And they teach humanity such things as the Buddha, the, the Christ, etc. And that is... There is, is their teaching. The teaching is here and in vice curricula. It's somewhat in the Yellow Spanish books, it's somewhat in Siberia. So they, they say that's real life and they, they, they give us guidance to, to discover that's real life, that we think that's real life, but they say there is something else, you have to discover it. And this is the method, these and are the yes, steps. The tools are meditation. And that's right, those, those are the tools. And that's the way they themselves have done it, and they can only teach you what they themselves have done. I can only teach you what I have experienced. I cannot teach you something that I don't know. And um, my way is this way. And you know, Siberia has taught you uh, another way, but that's his experience, right? That's what he has taught you. And this is okay. Everyone goes and finds the teachings that they have with, and they, they follow it. But I know, I certainly know, the way that these great mighty ones have taught 
what they experience and their method is what I teach. So, you teach a knowledge. And Siberia teach, teaches us also knowledge. So, the target is exactly the same. It's getting knowledge. Getting knowledge from uh, down steps, little by little, mathematics, grammar, literature, life, uh, individual relations, uh, uh, philosophy, psychology, whatever, mm. astrophysical. Uh, and Buddhists teach you another knowledge, which is more uh, more connected to spirit plans to to overcome your your daily reality. Uh, and your, but it is also knowledge. But um, I find it very, very I'm, I'm very sorry if I try to compare to compare the two. You have to. Uh, but I no have to because it's the only to. thing which so far has um, has touched me. Right. You can only compare with what you yourself know. Uh, the Buddha himself said. Um, and this is a quote now, because I have taught it and because all the great sages in the world have taught it because it is a matter, a matter of common knowledge because everyone accepts it does not mean it is true the only thing that is true is what you have discovered yourself and all I can do is reveal or give to you a path to help you discover more what I have myself discovered. And the same with me, that's all I can give you is the world that I have made, uh, that I have discovered, and the world of my world is the world of the masters of wisdom, of hierarchy, of shambhala, of demons, of, of um, these great beings. And uh, Siberia has also taught you what he has discovered. I'm sure that, that everything that he has learned is what he's taught you is what he has worked out and, and discovered for himself. And he said, this is what has produced my revelation of me, and this is the way you can do it also. And so he's taught you, so we can only help you to learn more about yourself, about the world, about the universe you live in, and eventually you gain enlightenment. You become more compassionate. You become more helpful to the people around you, to the planet. And that is the, the whole object. And eventually, of course, you gain liberation. Whether you, you know, gain liberation in this life or five or ten or twenty lives, it's relatively immaterial because you're going that way through more and more discoveries. And none of us will stop discovering. Not me, not Siberia, not the Buddha. There's a universe of discovery to go about. So the, the, the curriculum, the teachings I give are here, and this is a, a pretty good course, but this is still just intellectual knowledge until you do the meditation world, then it becomes real experience because you learn inwardly. What the book knowledge tells you afterwards. So there's the eye knowledge, what you learn from books, and then there's a mechanism that we give that will learn you to understand this inner world which 
all of the religious scriptures teach you. Right? This inner world you have to develop as a mechanism, and the mechanism we call meditation. And the meditation that the Dalai, the, the Buddhist teacher, what I teach you can be completely different. You know, right? I'm not talking about hatha yoga or right eating, we're talking about different types of mechanisms. Now, I've learned a form of meditation which I teach, which is a simplified, simplified, you understand this word? Yeah. yeah, form of meditation, which is good for Westerners, because we Westerners, we're busy. <laughs> many things to do, right? We cannot sit for four hours in one spot to try to get somewhere. So the, the meditation is short meditations, but it's carried through the whole day. So it's for our Western minds, and it involves ritual and and lifestyle changes. You understand lifestyle changes? Yeah. So this form of meditation um, then um, awakens the heart, awakens the head, awakens the eye, and allows the, the great ones to talk to you, to give you information. And hopefully in time, the leaders, the angels. For instance, in Paris, she goes to a tree and she gives it a hug. Oh, she touches it and it's very hard to get away from the trees uh, because she loves them so much. Uh, because, because of the divas that she can talk with, she, she sees the energies there, there. And this is her experience. But most people, virtually everyone, goes to those parks and just walk past the trees. You understand? We love the trees. And we don't just look at the trees, we talk to them. Because they have, they, we, we can see the entity that's incarnated into the trees. They can talk to us. And it's this world that I want to lead you in these, these teachings. And so there's the books. You can read my books. <laughs> anyone can buy the books and read them. But it's not going to get you the experience. It's, it's knowledge. It's just intellectual knowledge. It's... Um, with the concrete mind, you need to develop a superior mind. And the superior mind needs the meditation. You've got to have method to do it. It's like you've done, I know you've done a science degree, and they've got set, set experiments for you to learn. There's a books now, I can, I can read a chemistry book forever, but until I actually get the chemistry, the chemicals, and put them together and see the, the colours and the changes in colours and then, and then sort of look through a microscope or and use a mass spectroscopy to analyse what's, what, you know, it's not going to teach me much chemistry. Theoretical knowledge and then there's the practical knowledge. And likewise with the spiritual path. There's the book reading and then there's develop the ability to see for yourself. And the great enlightened ones, they have taught you how to do it. They've incarnated for this purpose. In your past life, you may have sat in the, uh, at the foot of the great yogi, for instance, Milorepa in Tibet, and learned from him. Uh, I'll repeat it again. In a past life, you may have learned this from a great yogi. Right? Now, we're in Western bodies. 
You know, it's no good me going to the Dalai Lama and saying, I was a ricochet uh, in the group and then I caught the Panchen Lama. He was my student at the time of the 13th Dalai Lama. It's the truth. But the Dalai Lama does not have this awakened knowledge, this inner eye to see. So, um, you understand what I'm trying to say? I'm saying that you, if you're serious students, you've really practiced this in a past life. You've just forgotten. And we just need to awaken you what you've forgotten. Right? It's like me, I've forgotten so many things when I was a child. You know, there's only a few little things I can remember, and I'm sure it's the same with all of you. But all the knowledge is there. Is it, yeah. And so it could be it could be a method to develop, to overcome uh, block, blocks, mental blocks. From the past life, yes. But from it, this life. From this life as well, yes, of course. It all it always to reveal to you that which you've forgotten, that which you know inside but no longer can remember. You know, when it comes to book knowledge, I've forgotten so many books I've read. Uh, you know, the knowledge is gone. And I'm sure the same with you and your science. <laughs> and this repeating it over and over again, you forget. You know, when I'm trying to learn French, I can learn the same word. You know, I did say it 50 times when I talk to a French person, and I say, what? <laughs> uh, because I'm not getting the, the correct language, the, the correct pronunciation. So we awaken you, and the method is the method that we, that these great ones have given us. And I can remember this method. You know, I can remember my lives. Uh, this is what um, I have been trained in all my life to, to do. So I teach this method. And I have a few students, because there's not many people that can... Follow. Oh, it really deserves a lot of effort. Also, there, there are so many people who say, I have the method and so on. That's, that's also, we, we have proposals for a lot of things. Yes, yes. And that is correct. They all have different methods. The Dalai Lama, the, the, um, the Gluck um, version of the Gluck, is, uh, his. Um, in, in Tibetan Buddhism, there's four main schools. It's what's called the Gluk, the Nima, uh, the Kavu, the, the Kama. Uh, so they, they have these different schools. And here's a specific school, the Yellow Hat, and it's called Glukpa. So his method is the Glukpa method. And I can, I've written about, I've criticized in my big book there, it's over a thousand pages, his method. I'm saying his method is wrong. And I explain why it is wrong, but I'm writing to Buddhists. It's not so important for you, but for them, you know, it is. It's, uh, it's quite an important stuff what I write about because I'm, I'm reforming the religion. But so the the method is what you need, and you need to awaken to what you've forgotten. It's, it's, it's basically. It's just to, to become conscious of the, the 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 aim why we are there. Or? Oh no, it's not just the conscious, but to do positive steps 
to further your own spiritual evolution so that you become more awakened, more enlightened, more loving uh, in your next life. It's, it's to, to push you onwards to a higher level of spiritual evolution, to be like you and your soul, for instance. Um, your real purpose of life is not just simply to make money and to... You know, yes, it's clear. It's, it's much more than that. And what your real purpose in life is, is what I've come to teach. It takes time to learn. And uh, it's not just to you know, live out your physical body, grow old and die. Uh, it's, it's fine, you know, everyone must die sometime, we all have to grow old. But it's much more than that. And this is what we call, what I call enlightenment. It's much more rewarding. Much more rewarding to work for enlightenment, to work for where you are going towards, rather than just being blind and allowing everything to influence you according to your desires and the way that karma works. It's, uh, that, that's, the, that's the process, right? So this is, uh, this is the, the course. In Australia, I have about 12 students. So there's 12 students that I have. They sometimes a little bit more, but on the whole, it's about 12 serious students. They, they work, they do all this sort of work. They help publish my books. They, and we work, we live as a community. Uh, not everyone lives together, of course, but there's a main community in the Blue Mountains outside Sydney where we are. And, uh, the, and then we get together on, you know, once a week, do our group meditation and teachings. And then, as I said, everyone's got to live their lives. There's children to, to raise, you know, all of this stuff. I'm sure most of you have been, all of you probably have been mothers. Uh, you know, you know the, 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 the problem of, of, uh, of that. And so it's within that context of, of lifestyle, of earning a living, of having children, of all of that. At the same time, we live our spiritual lives and a, a very rich, rewarding way where we're learning more and more about what life is about. So it's the science of religion, it's the science of life that I teach. It's not just um, meditation, but it's what it is all about and where it is all going to, why we are alive, and what we must do in order to uh, get a better life uh, next life. In this line, in this line of, of uh, philosophy and action, uh, how I don't know if you are familiar with, but uh, uh, she is familiar, so you you might have heard about um, this. Um, how, it does fit within the the actual trend to raise the level of vibration of the planet. Hmm. It has to do it with that too. Of course. I mean, if we do that, we continue to raise the vibration level of the planet. Of course, of course. If you work on raising the vibration level of yourself, um, then you're raising the vibration level of the planet. Um, as I said, ultimately you're looking at energy and the way energy and the mind are interrelated. And everything has got to 
teach you how to raise your energy level. You can only awaken these inner perceptions through cleansing your um, cleansing out of you everything that is gross, that is dull, that is dense, and to become more and more energetic, to become higher and higher. Um, I use the term vibration. Um, so you resonate with a higher frequency. Everything within you um, emanates a sound. And so it's this um, the transmutation, transformation of the body itself. But it's done again through meditation and through understanding of the laws of mind. In, in reality, mind is everything. You only understand anything because you have consciousness. If you are blind, you can't see. If you um, get rid of your ears, you can't hear. It's conscious, the mind is what allows you to function around you. But there's a superior mind, and so there's these higher inner plane perceptions. And, and what you just said in regards to the raising of the energy level is what the meditation does. It's a lifestyle, it's not just sitting and, and um, doing breathing practices. It's much more than that. Um, the awakening of the heart is the raising of, of the energy level of the plant. That's what love does. There's one good definition of love. Um, you're trying to bring it all up to the um, supernal planes, to the planes of liberation. But you can only do that as you do it to yourself. And then you work to be part of the group, to get in love. And the love is that you're helping each other. And I'm sure with your lives, that's what you've been doing. You assist each other to to gain further knowledge. Uh, You help each other materially if somebody is um, not so um, well and so forth. It's all part of this process of going to a higher plane, to a higher experience level. And that's what enlightenment is. Until eventually, um, you're so... Your energy and field is so strong and powerful that there's nothing on this earth that can hold you to it anymore. And that's the liberation to lead. If you, you know, I, I can remember the Buddha, and uh, when you walked towards the Buddha, his energy body was something like four miles around him. You can feel it from that distance. There's this peace, this, this radiance came from him. And so what you've learned with Siberia, I'm pretty sure you'll see the, the energy field that comes out of you. And you make that stronger, and that produces health. It can be made stronger, if Well, of course. So it's not a person, it's not a person. The energy going out, it's, you know, all of the it's not the, 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 the cosmic energy that comes from the vibration from the spirit. The energy comes in, and um, as it comes in, it um, then radiates out of you. But you have to actually, your body has to be attuned to be able to receive, withstand stronger and stronger energy. And to be able to withstand stronger energy, again, is what meditation does. There's a whole meditation, there's whole... Um, visualizations, there's um, food and things like that that you have to think of 
uh, sort of strong energy comes in. See, what energy does is it comes into you. It goes through what uh, is the term line of least resistance. Wherever is the weakest point in your body or in your emotions or in your mind, that's where the energy goes towards. It makes it worse. It throws up the sicknesses. Do you understand what I'm saying? It makes it worse. It can make it worse. Then, then we get a stronger body and we can keep the, the energy for some higher... We can only get a stronger body if whatever is the weakness inside you is thrown out. Yeah. And when it is thrown out, it can be thrown out through strong emotions, through sickness, disease, um, through uh, mental uh, attachments, uh, anxieties, worries, fears. These things come out. And so you have to understand the process. The energy comes in and it throws out the weaknesses. This is what I mean by going to the line of this resistance. And so the process is to understand what is happening and to deal with the effects of the energy as it is throwing out of you your weaknesses. And the, the stronger you are, the, the faster you can cleanse out those things until you're perfect, you're healer. You're, you, can, you have a, a, a body, a regulatory body, you can send energy to other people to heal them because of the strength of the energy. And you no longer have the weaknesses inside you. This, again, is what meditation does. It produces refinement of consciousness. You understand the word, the word refinement? So your, the mind becomes, your whole body becomes stronger, the emotions become stronger, uh, and not stronger in terms of being violent or emotional, but you control them. You have to control the emotions in order for the energies to come in. For most people, the emotions are... Uh, you know, they can get angry and all the rest of it. And if the energy comes in and makes you more angry, this is not what you want. So you have to learn to control these, the effects of the energization. And this, again, is what meditation teaches you. The ways of control. And so you can keep the energy that you receive and use it in a better way. In a positive way, yes. Healing your own body or healing others or helping others. That is right. That is right. That's what it does. And then um, yourself to transparency. Mm-hmm. And then you can help the others. <laughs> yes. yes. The problem also is that the when the energies come in, it as I said, it throws out your weaknesses. And also it can um, impact upon others around you and cause problems in them. So there's a lot to, to understand with regards to the way the energy works within the body. And in our case, we use the term the chakras, the psychic centers, right? And with Severio, who has the, the vortices uh, coming in, which are uh, just another way, really, of saying the same thing, right? A chakra is a wheel, it spins, so, and then the scene clairvoyantly in terms of petals that um, spin. So it's the same concept, just simply, um, as I said, with the, the yoga teachings, the, the meditation teachings, this has been developed for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. 
are great beings that have lived this way and have taught the method. And I think Severio's worked it all out for himself. It's, mm-hmm. it's just... Well, but he knew that from before. Of course. Which, yeah. he... Of course, the, his, his um, was not his first incarnation. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is, um, this is the path that we all are working um, and then later on you see that the mind itself is but an energy body. It's, a, it's, got, it's got its own form of energy. The element that we call is fire. So there's the four elements, earth, water, fire, air, and then of course we've got the ether. And we work with these, these types of concepts.